Welcome to Inside the Raven's Eye. I'm your host, Alan Mitchell. My medicine name is Raven Spirit. This podcast is partnered with Earth and Spirit Medicine, owned and operated by Winfield Ivers. His medicine name is Coyote Thunderhawk. He is a shaman here in the state of Utah, so make sure to visit earthandspiritmedicine.com. In this episode of Conversations with a Shaman, I ask about communication. To me, communication is one of the most important areas in life. May that be with family, friends, business, but most importantly, with God and spirit. I ask, how important is communication to you? And do you have methods that you use to have effective communication? Enjoy. Well, immediately three words that we as human beings may or may not say in different ways. I love you. But what is behind that? What what's what's interpreted? How is it being spoken? Who is the sender of the information? Who is the receiver? What kind of love? Oh, are there different kinds of love? I love you. I'm speaking to my child. I love you. I'm speaking to my wife. I love you. I'm speaking to my neighbor. Is it the same? Do I really feel the same things? I love this earth. I love the animals so much I'll never eat one. I love, I love, I love. Whatever decisions we make around I love you, it's pretty bizarre. It's very, very, very interesting to to view what happens around three words. And when we can't even convey what it is we truly feel, truly feel, And depending on what has happened in that relationship up to that point, perhaps before those words, I love you, were spoken, how well does the receiver allow it? And what, how much energy of truth and essence is behind it? Okay. So communication. Uh, I make a phone call. I would say that... Uh, I, I call a car lot and I say, I want to buy a new car. Oh, good. Yeah, why don't you come on down? Okay. Um, do you have, I, I was hoping for like a, a brown car. You know, I really like the color brown. Well, uh, yeah, we, we've got some brown cars here. Yeah, we, you know, you're thinking like a, you know, a Chevy or a Ford. Or, no, I don't really care. I just want brown. So, you know, maybe we go down. And he says, okay, well, come on down. And so maybe we end up at a different car lot because we thought we were going to the one we called. And we get down there and we say, hey, I'm the guy that called about that brown car. But, see, this guy doesn't really care about anything. He just wants to sell. He just wants some money. So you're thinking you're talking to the guy maybe that you sold the car as brown, but he doesn't really care, so he just goes with it. The next thing you know, maybe you go home with a brown car that uh, breaks down in a week. But who knows? So why do I tell a stupid story like that to indicate uh, what level of communication that we might be at? Because we often think that we are being understood. We often think 
that other people get exactly what we mean. Even when we shortchange and, and we take out words of the language to make a point. I'm going to run to the store. Oh, well, you know, maybe they're barefoot. Well, wouldn't you want to wear your new Nikes you just got? Oh, no, I'm, I'm taking the car. What do you, oh, I'm not going to run. Okay, so how many meanings does one word have? You know, I love you has many meanings. You know, run has many meanings. And so when we look at what we're, is, we're trying to convey to someone. So now let's go, uh, let's say, uh, for example, that something, an emergency is happening behind you. Okay. And, and I just start pointing and I'm pointing and pointing and pointing. And then I start to squeal. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And, and you're wondering, what is this person doing? What I'm trying to tell you is that there is a bear running at you so fast. Okay, but are you getting that message? I don't think so. But you may look because there's pointing that looks like it's going past you. You might be interested in trying to, you know, pull the information. What is the message? What is the message that this person is trying to tell me? So in business, maybe it's like, uh, okay, I, I need you to go over those reports. What are those reports? I need you to go over this report and this report, or I need you to go through. So how specific are we when we're asking someone to do something? And maybe they don't want to feel like they're stupid. And so they don't ask back. They just go out. So one time I had a job when I was a young man and the boss guy said, Hey, go mop the, go mop that, go mop the patios. And so, or the patio. So I went out and I started mopping the concrete patio where we had an outside dining thing. And I felt weird doing it. I had the strangest feeling, you know, and I didn't want to be out there mopping. And there were a lot of people on the front, so I didn't want to go in there. But that's where he wanted me to mop because it was getting dirty. And he wanted me to mop when all those people were there. But I thought he wanted me to mop outside. So, hey, go mop the patio. Well, First of all, there's three. There's an outside one on the south side. There's an outside one on the north side. And there's an inside one on the east side. And so he came out and he goes, no, not this patio, the inside patio. So I felt even stupider. Okay. So in that moment of communication, so now let's even take it to where it's even most important in the family. Husband, wife, parent, child. And so what's the message we're trying to get through? What are we really trying to say? So, you know, it, it's sometimes it's kind of hard because see what happens is we even learn facial expressions. Let's say that someone habitualizes themselves as a child to the eye roll. There are their eyes rolled back, you know, and they, ow, you know, okay, <laughs> whatever that is, okay? And the eyes roll back. So, so they, they are habitualized to this. Now, let's say they get into this job place one day, you know, and they're older and their boss, you know, asks them to do something. And it produces the same kind of feeling in them, the, the new employee, as their parents induced when they would ask him perhaps to do something. And they do the eye roll, not even knowing that they did it, but the boss sees it and is wondering now, what is the message behind the eye roll? 
Okay? So when we have facial expressions, nonverbal communication, when we have verbal communication and we have the uh, nonverbal and we have all the, the gestures and we have all these things in our tactics of speaking to one another, we sometimes get lost. And especially when we are speaking and it triggers a thought in someone else and then they say something back at that moment and it interrupts the story, but you have something to do with it. There's some sort of relating to it. And so then maybe the story shifts to another place all of a sudden. And that first person goes, well, what was I even talking about? I was trying to tell you something. But all in a matter of a few moments, because of people responding and not really maybe getting messages and understanding they're sending messages and learning how to do it in a profound way where we get the true message and we can really come to this. Listen. Listening is really interesting. The place that I learned to listen was out in the wilderness with nobody. I heard the strangest of things. It's weird when you can hear air. And when you can listen to, and not just listen to, but see like a reader board of your own thoughts playing out in this vast arena of wilderness. It's interesting to come to a place of what is real and what is not. Why are my thoughts of this when I am right now of this? So, not present. When, even though we might know a geographic location, I know I'm at the doctor's office, perhaps, but am I really present-minded at the doctor's office? So, one day I learned about communication in a, in a really good way. And I was told to start gatherings at my home and I was told to call these gatherings speaking stick and so we would gather in circles this was what I was told by spirit this method of communication breeds cooperation honor respect and trust that sounded really good to me and so this speaking stick process well I had an opportunity one time to have a family, an entire family out in the wilderness for a week of time during some pretty cold winter months. And at one point there were, there was beginning to be a lot of breakdown. So I called the family together and I asked them to blindfold themselves and I got out my speaking stick. And I said, okay, we're going to go around in a circle. And I explained the rules as to how speaking stick goes. So if you're in a business and you're a, you're a leader of a business, or if you're not even a leader of a business and you're hearing this and you want this in your business circles or your family circles or whatever circles where there is communication, but it's not working, if this process is implemented into that circle of people, it will make a difference. So with this family in the wilderness, everyone got blindfolded. So why? Why blindfolded? 
Well, as I mentioned a little bit earlier about the facial expressions, because I already had come to realize that if they were doing speaking stick and they see the facial expressions as they're talking to each other, it's going to keep throwing it back. So blindfolded, they couldn't look at their mom or dad or siblings and see them roll their eyes back or anything else. They could hear in voice inflections, but I had set it up and said, we're going to speak in really low keys. Whoever has the stick is the only person that can speak. Nobody else can speak whatsoever. And when we speak, we're speaking from our hearts. When we talk, it's just kind of like talk, talk, talk. So I think that's why spirit indicated so profoundly and precisely to call this speaking stick. And so whoever has the stick speaks, whoever doesn't listens. So this family, all of a sudden you have somebody and I put a time limit so that they wouldn't blah, 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 blah. Okay. So you have one minute to say how you feel right now. And I would time that. And so then they would have to pass it to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Okay, now you get five minutes because what we want to do is try and figure out how everybody's going to start working together better because we still have a lot of work to do out here. And not only that, we want to come to a place of solution now. So we've talked about some of the facts. You've been able to say how you feel and we're doing pretty good here. So what that father told me later was that was the first time his family ever sat down and came to a decision without a fight. They'd never come to a decision. They never were able to because of the fight. So I imagine that happens in a lot of families. It's a good family. They just didn't know how to communicate. So most of the time they found themselves frustrated. Mm. Maybe that happens in people's workplaces and other places, like I mentioned. So uh, as I was able to enter into the corporate uh, arena with this as well, I was speaking with a CEO of a company, an owner of a company. And he said, I didn't even know that about my own employees because I asked him a question. Who's the most important person in your life? And most of them said their mother. And these were pretty hardcore, you know, uh, men and, uh, ways and on, on a pretty, uh, tough competitive sales floor. And the majority of them said that their, their true heroes were their mothers. And so it's really interesting when we get to certain dynamics and when we get to understand people as people and how we can remember that, yeah, I want a lot of things. But when I start to feel like I'm cheated and my wife feels cheated and so therefore she's not going to listen to me because she feels cheated. I'm not going to listen to her because she feels cheated. And so where do we get from there? Nowhere. How does personal development work on that? Well, I don't know exactly but all I know is that at times that we have not been together on our measure of communication, then I work even more on myself. I work relentlessly on myself, knowing that the better that I create my own physical, mental, emotional, spiritual ways, and the more that I can come to deeper and more calm ways of thinking and speaking and feeling and acting, that I can shift an energy field within my own home that allows others, others to follow suit. So sometimes we might not have a very cooperative arena and, and I have a cooperative arena here, but the reality is that we as human beings get a little selfish. We as human beings start to feel like we're not feeling as appreciated as we'd like to be. So we have to take a step back and do some very important self-talk 
and get ourselves in a stance of being what it is that we want others to be as well. And when we can implement speaking stick methods of communication, we can bring about cooperation, honor, respect, and trust in our relationships. Imagine what this would do in the larger arenas, arenas, <laughs> the larger arenas. You know, maybe I was thinking in the larger arenas, there's a lot of wieners. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> your politic groups, you know, the bigger, the bigger conglomerates out there, but whoever they are, and you know, if we lend value to that, everyone has something valuable to speak. And if we listen carefully, even in a circle of 30 people and you're waiting for your turn and you might want to interrupt, but you'll find out that as you listen full heartedly to everybody, it won't even matter because you'll remember the most sacred and important things that each of them offered. It's interesting. It's beautiful. It's miraculous. And I would say that every family, every couple, every business, every circle of people really ought to practice this speaking stick process of communication. I, I second that. And I just wanted to add one thing that you were talking about when you spent some time alone in the wilderness. I, I I do that quite often. Um, and the last weekend, I found myself up Santa Quinn Canyon, and there was this rock, and I was laying on it. I just felt like Spirit said, just lay down on the rock. And I just laid down, and I was looking up at the trees. I didn't realize I, I all I wanted was a hug, and I got it. And I was by myself. It was Spirit. I felt it, that huge embraceive, emotional hug. I was like, I, I was wanting that. So, yeah, just very important. And I think people should also take the time, go alone. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you tell, you should go alone, and then you find out that they went with a group of people or something, But which is fine. But I think that alone time is very important. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because in that unseen communication from Spirit and Mother Earth like that, you know, and, and that's why I've spoken it the way that I, that I have before. But to be, to feel like you're being enveloped in the arms of Mother Earth and into Father Spirit, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's powerful communication. Yes. I would like to thank you for listening to Inside the Raven's Eye. And if you have a particular topic matter that you would like to hear, please send me a request at insidetheravenseye at gmail.com. You have been listening to Coyote Thunderhawk in Conversations with a Shaman. I'm your host, Alan Mitchell, and we will see you on the next Inside the Raven's Eye. Much love and God bless.